just the fact that they believe that he's the yeah, best coach is yeah, yeah. unbelievably powerful. Then if the fact that he is as well, like that's the buy-in that sometimes coaches, if there's any bit of doubt, they don't get that. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. We could have done a rugby version of the Gillette Labs performance rankings and I think you probably would have had Leinster Connacht and Ulster in the green, but there would have been red held exclusively for the Irish women's team and Munster over the weekend, Alan. Um, we can start with the bad rather and we can finish with the good. Um, will we start with Munster? It's your call now. That first half performance by Munster uh, was so disappointing because there'd been such great signs of an uptick in form, of bodies coming back, of a real sense of, okay, we know exactly what we need to do. Our destiny for the rest of the season is in our own hands. Let's go and start winning games, particularly against the opponents that they were facing. And they did not show up. They didn't. And it was a real kind of eye-opener for for that group of players. I think um, they've... Their attitude wasn't right either. Um, I think, you know, players will come out maybe and say, yes, it was, and we were focused and we trained well all week and stuff like that. But if you're off a little bit of a couple of percent each player and maybe there seemed to be a lot of looking around and for waiting for other players to do it, um, I wouldn't over-panic. I, I think the reality is um, that if they come up against a very, very strong, powerful team, that they are short in certain areas, probably more than all if it'll be in the, in the front row. Uh, the depth chart, look at what Lens were able to put out Friday night in, in Michael Millen, uh, John McKee, Al and, and the level of performance with all the props in front rows they're missing. So there's a depth issue there. Um, but Kilcoyne started and got taken off at half-time. Yeah, it was he poor. Was back from the and... Uh, he was and, and I thought that he did really well for Ireland during the Six Nations looked to have a bit of strength and power and, and he really good carries back for some reason maybe I don't know um, he he didn't really have a good first half at all uh, he was up against Xander Fagerson who's a who's a really experienced strong scrummager so first thing Glasgow really good mm. picked a lot of strong players looked at this game and said we win this game, we probably, most probably, have a home quarter final. So they front loaded the team. Um, very good coaching set up there. Um, and they looked like a real team right across the board the other night. Munster lost all the collisions. They were falling off tackles. They were slow and pedestrian. And unlike them, to be fair, Joe, we've given them a lot of credit here in the last three months, and rightly so, since that South African game. They'd played 13 and, and won 10, lost three. Uh, two to Toulouse and, and one to Leinster that's no kind of there's no shame in that this is the one and it was a run of three games between Osprey Scarlets and Glasgow and I was kind of saying it back in January stating the obvious you win those three games um, go to Benetton win away in the end of January and win the three home games and you turn your whole season around and from a league point of view you're, 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 they would have been looking at top four now they have a mountain to climb going to South Africa and um, but I, I, like I said, learning curve. They've got to look at that and say where were they wrong in the first half. And if they analyse this, they were really sloppy, poor. Set piece was bad, very porous defensively. And this isn't just a, like the last game against the Scarlets. They conceded six tries in that game. They conceded five, so that's eleven tries in two games. 
I saw someone tweeting the other day it's record points conceded by a team since 2001-2002 season at home so um, and up to that point their defence was really good all season they were up near the top two or three with points conceded but um, not good not a good night for them like the, t- just for anybody who didn't see the, the team the the, the uh, pack was Kilcoyne Baron Salanoa started John Klein and Finning Witcherly Jack O'Donoghue who captained the team John Hodnett and Gavin Coombs like Hodnett and Coombs were supposed to be in Ireland you know mm. and both of those guys played pretty well John Hodnett was outstanding around the field as regards his work rate his energy the tackles he was making even in the first half yeah he was still flying around the place Coombs uh, probably not he came and played better in the second half but it's very, there's all of the rest of them you know you're surprisingly they all seem lacklustre um, and second best to the physical stakes and Glasgow were really up for this game there was a little bit of bite to it and as I said they really targeted this so um, mentally a real learning curve for them but they are short with, with, with depth um, it's not um, I'm not saying Dermot Barron Dave Kilcoyne Rome Salanor um, are replace the three of them with three others and it'll be all fine I think they need more depth and it's kind of when you come up against a side that have a very strong like Fraser Brown was playing Xander Fagerson um, they're, they're in the Scottish squad they're strong internationals and they cause a lot of problems for for um, for, for, for Munster so very good Glasgow side to be fair but you can concede the tries they did the other night and expect to be happy with yourself it's 28 nil at half time um, they were very very poor and they know that themselves Okay, what fixes this now? Cause, uh, what fixes this now? I think first of all they've got to make sure that they their attitude is right and that they learn and understand that when you're on a good run, it can turn very very quickly with a sloppy performance, um, not being on it mentally, getting the emotion right. They should have been fresh going into the game. They hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, from what I'm hearing, the training is good. They they they're all seem very happy. Um, and they've shown a lot of improvements. To be fair, you can't. We can't just kind of like it doesn't surprise me because I still think the reality of the depth and should they not have picked a stronger team for that? Should Should Snyman have started or like? No, I don't think. So. Um, look, the reality for RG Snyman and lots of people are asking me why isn't he starting? The guy hasn't played in eighteen months. So they're, they're the way they're in. playing now, Jer, with the fitness and the movement and the pace to their game. It requires a level of conditioning that's very, very high, and he is still needs has a bit of time to go there. And you know, you can't just put him out in the field and say he's going to play superb. It takes a long time. I, I've been there myself with the six month injuries. You, you, it takes a long time. So having him off the bench at in the next couple of weeks will be really important. Maybe he'll start, but he needs more time. He needs more training. He more, needs more conditioning. Um, so he's he's not going to come in and fix it. Peter Romani, Conor Murray, Ty Byrne, not been there. Um, but like, they're not missing too many. That's so probably is, the worry. Yeah, is this a bit of a wake up call then? For it should be. Yeah, it should be. So they've given themselves a mountain now to climb. We're going to the Sharks and 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 the, the Stormers and the Sharks in a couple of weeks. And from a league point of view, I know they go in there next week in the UR, in the in the Champions Cup. But um, you've any hope for those two games, Sharks and Stormers? Uh, 
it's 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 hard to know. It depends what kind of team. Sharks were poor against Scarlets at the weekend. Mm. Um, all the South Africans are at home in round seventeen and eighteen. So it, it's mountain to climb. It's it, for for a lot of teams, and you know you would. It, it's really difficult. They've made it really difficult for themselves. But that sport, um, they were poor at the weekend, and they showed a lot a lot better in the second half. But you can't start a game like that. And and um, I'm sure when they review, they'll see lots of people falling off tackles, um, a little bit lazy in defence. They've got much fitter, and their attack has been superb this okay, season. So-, so there's a lot of positives around the way they've played. But I think what we saw at the weekend was the possible reality now in the next few weeks of that that guess, step, the okay. quality that you need throughout a squad. This is squeaky bum time for the important part of the season and everybody's going to have their full teams out. Correct. And so uh, this is the reality of where Munster are. If they can somehow pull out a performance next weekend in the European Cup, that's a massive shot well, in the From arm. an attack point of view, what we've seen the last few months, they've been really brilliant and they've showed that against you know Toulouse in the in the Champions Cup and Northampton tough games against very strong teams but some somehow or another I think mentally they were off at the other night that's right. not to say they would have won the game but if you concede 28 points at home it's impossible if they're you know even the mistakes they made when they were 21 set, nil up Glasgow Munster were putting pressure on the line get a try or two there get in one twenty one seven. it's a different story then but here's, it's just too much here's a question if, if the two teams that so Leinster obviously named a, a very depleted team compared to <coughs> what their first choice team is going to be if that Leinster team had come up against that Munster team you would have said Leinster would be slight favourites say that game was in Thomas yeah, in, yeah. in the league it's hard to know exactly when you see the two teams but what Leinster were able to do when the game was going against them was have the the Nous and the game smarts to stop it getting out of hand, Correct. and then they got back into it, and that's the bit that you'd be concerned about. Well, they're pro- they're proving that they have an ability to do that, um, and that they have the players to do that. There's players in that Leinster team on Friday night who could potentially be challenging for international places if they were somewhere else. It's probably coming against them because there's so much depth there. Um, so many good players and a lot of young players who and obviously it's the level of cohesiveness they're at they're further down the road as regards their development and their their the kind of structure in in and the level they're at the standard that they're at training wise all that kind of stuff you've heard Dennis Leamy and Mike Prendergast speak about you know changing the way they play and the pace and the tempo these Leinster players are doing this for years so that was an incredible game Friday night wasn't it the reaction the pace Luke McGrath just sometimes I wonder why he's not out, why he's out of the Irish squad. He's superb, you know, fantastic. Reese Ruddock, Penny, Max Deegan, these players, John McKee, the hooker. He's third choice essentially behind the other two internationals. So just quality players right across the board, um, and the pace and tempo to that was was phenomenal. It was a great game. Okay, so we just need to rein our expectations in about how quickly this a, li- a little bit, and I wouldn't go overboard as regards. Um, it wasn't good enough the other night that's the reality I think they're better than that uh, but they're not a team and we've said it for a long time that are winning European Cup or, or the URC I think for them being in the Europe next year and getting into the playoffs is 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 a bonus and they need to get better they need to recruit more they need to get some more players in um, and most notably in that front row, it's to get more depth and quality there, you know. And if you, the more internationals you have in your team, the stronger you are right across the board. 
but I think the performance of the weekend was Connacht um, they have won their last five four of those have been bonus point wins mm. out of nowhere now they're suddenly looking like uh, they're in a playoff spot and they're in Europe next year if they win their next game is at home to Cardiff you think they'll win that with five points that'll put them to 49 and then they're away against Glasgow in the last game Glasgow may already have right, secured yeah. their fourth yeah. spot <coughs> which I think they will so they could be resting players mm. yeah so Connacht it's in Connacht's hands now and I think it's a remarkable turnaround you know if you end up winning seven they've won five now if they end up winning seven games in a row well you just got to tip your hat to them um, and I think they, the, the, the difference between Munster and Connacht on Saturday was obviously Edinburgh are not going as good as Glasgow this year that's, yeah, so that's a fact yeah. but that was a very strong Edinburgh team a lot of internationals there a lot of quality players and Connacht just blew them away with pace, tempo, um, the attacking ability. Um, Caelan Blade was outstanding. He scored three tries. Cahill Ford in the centre. What a find he's been. Shane Jennings came on there. Looks like a great player as well. Um, and if they get in the front foot, Connacht like that, in good conditions, I think. And... Uh, they were brilliant at the weekend. And from an Ulster perspective, Quinny, <clears throat> I mean, Tom Stewart, I guess, is the man. I think it's 15 tries in his last, in 20 crazy, Ulster games. Yeah, Hattrick, crazy. seven in the last three, which is remarkable. A lot of them are from malls now, given yeah, of course. one of their big strengths this year. Look, obviously, you have Sheehan, you have Herring, you have uh, Kelleher as well. But what, what, are the nec- what does the next year or two look like for, for Tom Stewart? Well, it's, um, he, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a really good player. He's abrasive. He's a skill set. Um, his ability to carry around the field he, mm. he really has something about him um, he's a quality player and he's a great find for Ulster he hasn't just kind of come out of nowhere he's mm. been in their system for a while he was a very good schools player underage player as well I think he's a, he's, he's, he's a top quality player who um, who's going to start pushing the ones above the unfortunate thing you think for any hookers in this country is Dan Sheen and Ronan Keller, you know, they're probably going to be around for a lot. I know Ronan Keller, unfortunately, has had a, have had a couple of injuries, and but Tom Stewart is a great player. I you think basically need four full time hookers like who would be able to fit in seamlessly. Yeah. And, and with Keller's injury profile and Herring's age profile, you can see Stewart getting plenty of game time for Ireland over the next, certainly over the next World Cup cycle. And I was saying earlier, it wouldn't be shocking to see him involved in the World Cup squad. We do have to talk about the women's rugby team and their collapse against Wales. It's a massive letdown. It's it's all the air coming out of the balloon straight off and it's very difficult to see how they can turn that around to try and finish uh, anywhere other than it's a battle for fifth or sixth in the Six Nations. What happened? Um, they were overpowered, um, outskilled and out-muscled by, by a Welsh side that are obviously ahead of them. Um, it's amazing when you read stuff online, you read reports, and there's some people very critical. Some people are blaming the IRFU, some people are blame, blaming the girls themselves. Um, <clears throat> you have to really... For Greg McWilliams picking his squad, he's either picking the right players or he's picking the wrong players. That's the first thing. So he's got to back and believe what he's doing himself. I don't think there's any sort of uh, uh, decisions being made by him, cynical decisions of excluding players who spoke against the RFU. That's been mentioned a lot. 
I think he's trying to pick a team that he can build something for the future. There's a lot of young, inexperienced players here. The level they're playing at is still a problem. That isn't just going to have fixed itself Ger, in, 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 a, in one fell swoop. I think um, what's happened with contracted players and all that kind of stuff, that's going to take time. It's power development. And if you look at the game, go back and look at the game at the weekend, um, the tries they scored were all power, strength. Like there's two mall tries, there's two pick and goes tries. There's another try from uh, the centre just going straight through that defensive line off a scrum, that back line. And the pace and the skill set of that it was, was kind of frightening. So it was, it was alarming to see the power and the pace and the skill set. All 23 of those girls are playing in, in the English Premiership and it showed the golf. Um, could Ireland have been better? Should they have been better? Yes. But I think um, it wasn't just down to power, their skill set, their development, all that kind of stuff is, is, is further ahead. At a, at a structural level, though, it would be great if the RFU were able to come out and explain exactly how they're going to bridge the gap and what the plan is and what the time frame for that is. It feels a little bit like the, the contracts were reactionary and it feels a little bit like the IRFU have constantly been on the back foot ever since there was a letter published to shame them into doing yeah, something. Yeah. They, they, didn't, they weren't out in front of that in advance. And like their relationship with the women's game seems kind of a little bit like the old FAI relationship with the League of Ireland. It's like, we should do something. This. How are we supposed to fix this? Oh, let's get some people in. And I don't think they're fully, they don't appear to be as behind it as they are the men's game. They don't, they haven't looked at the structures and gone, okay, is there such, just something? Can we just rip this idea off from here and put this on here? It, it doesn't feel like they're as enthusiastic about it as they should be. Yeah, if you if you look at the report, um, a lot of changes have have happened as a result of the report. I think if you if you go back probably a number of years, that's where the problems. It's 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 we've they've reacted to the report. Okay, they've reacted to the pressure, and I think they've done a lot of positive things have, have started to happen like I've listened to girls and women's rugby in the last 12 to 18 months saying how brilliant things are, how it's great to get the contracts, it's great to get the new changes the support networks, the team manager, the connection between the RFU and the women's team but they, maybe, they are maybe, all employees yeah. Mm. you know. yeah but maybe yeah but even some, some people on the outside who are not, of course there's people very critical and still going back blaming the RFU so we can stay blaming the RFU or we, we structurally... We've got to hold it to account, I think. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But it is what it is at the moment. You're, you have a bunch of very inexperienced girls who are finding their feet, and that's going to take time. That's the other side of the coin. There's eight of these players who were involved last year against Wales. There's so many new players in there. There's a lot of young players. Saif McGrath was making her debut at 18 at, uh, in the front row, you know what I mean? There's a number of players playing their first Six Nations game. Yeah. Um, so very rel- relatively inexperienced. So maybe Greg McWilliams is, has the answers. Maybe the you know I don't know as regards. I think the some of the, the implementation of the the what what the ladies wanted out of the report and what came out of the report. Um, they're going to take time, Ger, to to you know get a return on that. And the the reality you have to deal in reality here. The other teams are further down the field. Yeah, I, I totally accept the other teams are further down the field, and that uh, if you were planning this whole thing, you wouldn't start from where you are now. But it still doesn't feel to me like the IRFU are on top of the issues, and it still doesn't feel to me like so. The, the, so what are the issues? Well, uh, the pathway from the club game yeah, to the that is a big game, problem. 
the fact that we haven't really invested that enough in in uh, the contracts to even convince the, some of the players to come back from England. Maybe we should actually outsource for a couple of years. We should outsource yeah, some players. So what's to happened is development officers have been put into all the provinces now to try and recruit more girls to upskill them. But that is at the very lower base level. So that should, stuff should have been happening years ago. And then you might have more players to choose from. They're playing at a higher level. And the sip, simple maths of this is if you have, if you're a coach and you've a bigger group of players, a group, bigger pool to pick from, and they're playing at a higher level, it's easier. Half, you know, there's a number of these girls, Irish girls, over playing in the Premiership as well. If you had all of them over there playing week in, week out, would they be better, do you think? Uh, instinctively, you'd yeah. say, in the short term, obviously that's not your long term solution, but yeah. maybe the right thing to do is to allow half of them or, or help more of them to get over to England yeah, to play. I would think it'd be better, wouldn't it? In the it? short term. In the short and term. obviously, at the, at the same time, you're trying to build up the provinces. So uh, I don't know the chapter and verse of it, but I do follow some people who are constantly saying that. The uh, the committee approach to it has been largely led by people who were responsible for the issues in the first place, yeah. and that they're not actually addressing the the long term issues. So that's you know I'd yeah yeah I know I know and I, and uh, look these things have to be debated and and the evidence of what we saw at the weekend it was it was poor it was worrying it was um, they've got France at home next which doesn't get any easier mm-hmm. um, but I think that Welsh team from even from you know, I was in the RDS last year when, when Wales beat Ireland 29-17 and it was, the gap wasn't, yeah. you know, it was, you could see that it was a bit of strength and power to Pelota. She played, she scored a try at the weekend. She's um, she's a cousin of the Vuna Polos and uh, they've obviously rugby blood and she's very powerful. But she played last year. But that game last year in the RDS, it came down to a, a little bit of power at the weekend it was a lot of power. Yeah. It was a lot of the skills, the pace. Um, and in fairness, I think they reacted in the second half. It does happen. It was like Munster coming back when they're 28-0 down. The girls came back. They sorted their scrum out. Okay, we got to go. They, but we'll they have problems. and um, Unfortunately, we have worrying. five or six weeks of this to, mm. to look forward to, to talk more about it. Alan, good stuff. Thanks a million. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.